This is GamesAtWork.biz, your weekly podcast about gaming, technology, and play. Your hosts are Michael Martin, Andy Piper, and Michael Rowe. The thoughts and opinions on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and are not the opinions of any organization which they have been, are, or may be affiliated with. This is episode 385. It's only a model. Hello and welcome again to another edition of GamesAtWork.biz. This is Michael Martin. I'm one of your co-hosts here on a show where we get together and talk about technology and games and business and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I'm delighted, delighted, delighted uh, to be joined here today with both of my co-hosts. Let's start with Andy. Hello, Andy. And um, how are you doing today? It's only a model. Much better. Much better. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Yes, I am very well. Thank you, Michael. It's good to see you. Um, It's been a busy week, as usual. There's been a lot of stuff happening in the world of tech. I've been playing with many, many gadgets. Also discovered that one of the room scanning apps for the iPhone, a couple of them actually, the LiDAR ones, have had some really nice updates with uh, the latest... Um, iOS release, so I'm trying to find the one on my phone because I've got too many apps. Um, but there's one which, a couple of them now, which do room scale scanning, where you can just stand in the middle of the room and scan Twirl about around you, and um, and it will literally give you a 3D model of your room, right? Like just really quickly and really beautifully. It's um, amazing. And I, I saw something in our show notes uh, that we were going to be talking about, which might fit in that area. So I'm looking forward to um, geeking out today. Michael, how are you? I am I'm well, and I don't know if you guys remember, but back in June when Apple did WWDC, I had posted uh, in one of our discussions uh, my deck where I work out on using the sample app that Apple provided that, like, in 30 seconds, just scan around the room, and it would give you a full 3D model of the room with windows and doors and, yeah. and yep, tables. So it sounds like a lot of developers have used that base code yep. to upgrade their uh, their apps. Now, hopefully, they've optimized it, because I remember it made your phone hot, 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 and uh, was uh, <clears throat> it was truly just a proof of concept. <laughs> But I'm looking forward to some of the cool new apps. Uh, maybe when you find the one that you're thinking of, I will test it out here too. Well, we've got stuff to talk about. So uh, let's start talking about it and then we'll talk about the one I'm thinking about. All right. Let, we'll jump straight in. So we, we've had a number of uh, great suggestions come in this week. Uh, we'll start off with one of those, this one from Ian, um, that was a retweet that said, what if I told you that you can download any 3D model from Google Maps and create an immersive mixed reality design directly at or from Shapes XR? And there's a little minute 47 video of this. And it is absolutely fabulous um, when you consider that uh, Google's invested just just a little wee bit of time, energy, and money uh, to go put in some 3D models. And I'm watching Andy do his room scan right now, so that's distracting. But it's okay. I like it. It's fun. Um, and uh, maybe we'll put that. <laughs> that'll show up in a Google map, too. And you could have that <laughs> via Shapes XR. You could be in Andy's room with him. <laughs> yeah. So, so the little video is yeah, cool, this, isn't it? it 
it, it, it was. It was really cool. And, and it just shows you, you know, maybe we are finally getting to the point where uh, these closed platforms are either going to open up themselves or have third-party tools allow you to uh, rip the models out of them and use them for your own benefit. Um, I, I don't know if you remember years ago, I used to play around with a tool called, um, oh God, what was it? I can't remember what it was called. It was like WoW Modeler, but it would basically allow you to rip the 3D models out of World of Warcraft uh, and throw them into your printer or whatever. So there's 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 tools out there like this, and this one this one is really cool, especially as we start getting into more immersive AR experiences, and you want to kind of overlay part of the world with other parts of the world, and it could be parts of the world at a different time. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Very, very cool. So Andy, is your is your room scanned? Is it is it in there? It is. I've just I've just used an app called Polycam, which I've I've had on my phone since I got the um, the lidar capable uh, phone a few years ago. But this one is uh, now has a room scan option. Now the room that I'm in um, is somewhat small, so it struggled a little bit with a few things. And I think if it wasn't ePred, it was somebody else that I follow who commented that this app seems to struggle with sloping. Um, walls and ceilings. So in my mm. in where I live, above mm. my desk, I have a, a slightly sloping area, which actually limits where I can have my microphone. Which again is more of a visual thing. If you were uh, if you were watching this uh, on a video, but uh, this has just created a little three D model um, that um, is really really cool. It's got um, yep. it's got shelves and you know desks and and bookcases and everything inside there. Just wow. very, very fast. Um, and I'm imagining, there were, I th- think thought of it knowing that we were going to talk about the, this Google Maps story and the uh, the XR story because um, I, I was also actually thinking of the ability to sort of scan these rooms like this uh, for something like The Sims where you're building houses and you uh, literally just want to sort of recreate a house and the rooms inside it. Um, it's uh, It's very cool. The output almost looks exactly like Apple's output. Right, I'm sure. I'm sure, like like you say. <laughs> I mean, cool. it's one of their. It's part um, of the kit. Big features when AR when kit. when it came out. Yeah, I, I was looking for for mine too, and I haven't played with this one in a little while. It's called Scanniverse, uh, so I need to take a, a quick peek at that too. I've had that on the phone about the same amount of time when I got a lidar capable phone too, Andy. So um, it, this is now coming into its own, and I, what I loved about the the Google example is the ease of importation of models. And, and Michael, your point about the ubiquity of how you could get what models you need and drop them into whatever experience or space you want is exactly the sort of thing we want to get to. I'm just looking at the export options now for this app, and I haven't paid for the pro version um, at this time, but um, it literally has uh, a bunch of uh, 20 or so export options. And if I tap in, it lets me go down to say, I want 3D art, so Blender, Maya type models, building a construction, so AutoCAD, SketchUp type stuff. Mm-hmm, SketchUp, mm-hmm. of course, was um, was one of the things that the early that Google ones. had around around uh, around Google Maps as well. Uh, game engines, Unity and Unreal. Uh, so that's that's playing to the conversation I was just having around, for example, The Sims and uh, product design, manufacturing. So Fusion 360, and then uh, academic tools as well. So. Um, and then it, once you tap on which app you want, it will provide you with the formats that the app supports. Uh, most of them are, are pro, so I'm not going to be able to share them very easily uh, here. But uh, yeah, very, very cool to uh, to see how this stuff is advancing and how quickly, again. Yeah, create yourself a custom Doom level and, you know, 
mere minutes, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> now, the next thing is for it to be able to do it in miniature so that it yes. can use the iPhone's close-up camera and, uh, and then you'd be able to make a Lego house uh, in that scale. Oh. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, that would be right up our alley, wouldn't it? Now, now well, speaking take right your Lego, up- Take your ex- existing Lego house and then uh, re- recreate it um, by 3D printing it at, uh, at large scale and, and uh, constructing it in your backyard. Yeah, 3D printing it in your backyard and, and determining what scale you want. Right. Right? Absolutely. You want a playhouse or you want a big size house, right? Whatever it might yeah. be. Yeah. Why not? Um, so, so thinking about um, uh, masters of the metaverse here, there's been lots of discussion around Neil Stevenson. Um, and one of the elements that came across our collective readers this week, if you will, was the notion of a group called Lamina One, uh, which is where Neil Stevenson is involved now in building the metaverse and not just in name only. Um, I I love how the article from Wired goes about it saying something along the lines of, uh, it's like Neil is coming down out of the mountains like Gandalf in order to restore the metaverse to an open, decentralized and creative (laughs) order. And that is the... uh, None shall model. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that, that quote there is uh, not the none shall model, but the former one is uh, according to the former CEO of Magic Leap, uh, who's also on the advisory board for this. So uh, there, there's more to be said about Lamina One, um, and there's more to learn about it. There's not a ton written about it just yet. But uh, we're, we're going to keep a close eye on what is happening in this space. And I suspect it's going to have some really cool stuff going forward. Andy, uh, I put your model on my desk. Uh-huh. In AR. My water glass that I was drinking out of turned into what looked like a waste paper basket in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> of the room. Amazing. That's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, in, insert favorite uh, collegiate joke here I would is what springs to mind for me. Um, m- moving along. <laughs> I thought you would yes, appreciate that. M- moving right along. Um, the next article that we have from Women's Wear Daily, which is not something that we, we normally uh, peruse, but um, there's an article here about how uh, elite world group partners with a company called eGoody, iGoody, to create 3D avatars of models. And so we're talking about fashion models. We're talking about folks that walk down the catwalk. And um, this one was interesting to me. Um, it's actually not only a model, it's multiple models, was the <laughs> scanner um, to do that 3D scanning. So it's not a, what uh, doesn't look like a mocap environment, so to speak. It looks like this giant egg so the the funny thing about this article, at least for me, so we're using model in lots of different ways here today. Um, there's a quote in here about this technology, scanning technology for something called smart body, uh, will allow for the creation of new operating models that are completely virtual. Um, so you've got models of models that you can now use to create a new operating model. Yeah, this this one was one of those ones where it, it, it ends the article in the typical way, which says, you know, this will allow models to walk down two different runways at once, one in VR and one in real life. And and so they'll make more money. And I'm sitting there going, no, no, this will allow models to be scanned once. And if they're superstars, they might make more money. But the average model will get scanned once and then get paid a flat rate. And that's it. 
So they need to really worry about the legalities behind it and how they set up well, the rights. Well, the licensing. Maybe yeah. they should put those on a blockchain. <laughs> and they can put them in, you know, as a... Uh, <laughs> yes, or... Uh, uh, non-fun NFTs, non-fungible tokens. So, so sticking with this theme here for a little bit longer on the whole models structure, uh, there's an article from Engadget about NVIDIA. We've got a couple of NVIDIA interesting stories here. And this particular one was super intriguing to me and the little video that goes along with it as well about how quickly the new set of capabilities that the NVIDIA chipset and software allow for the creation and um, uh, uh, of new 3d models so like they have an example in the picture that you can see right away of a um 3d model of a giraffe with zebra stripes which obviously doesn't exist um the what they describe in the article is you can very quickly use these graphics engines to render things like hey i've got a house and i'd like to show that house uh what would it look like if it was now aged 150 years or if it was on fire um and you could use these kinds of things in movies and entertainment you can use them for quickly training ai engines uh, for uh, for a whole range of, of various things and if you needed to have uh, we joke about this pretty frequently here too uh, when you're just walking around in a crowd and you need to have different looking people in a crowd scene this would allow you to randomize a number of characteristics of people or animals or things and um and they would look different, maybe act different, maybe walk differently. Uh, but the reality is, is that the underpinnings of that random three model, you know, is, is all one initial seed set that then moves from there. So I, the, the video is super short. I highly recommend taking a quick little look-see at it. Um, but it is a really amazing way of imagining how you might create thousands of different versions of a dog or a house or what have you based upon a seed. I, I think that's something that is really important for designers that need to flesh out a space, right? And I think one of the really early ones that I remember that was probably the coolest was, you know, one of our favorite movies of at least a couple of us, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies, which uh, used Weta's workshop to build the crowds of orcs and crowds of fighters in various scenes, all of them basically unique. And to be able to do that in real time is what, or as close to real time as possible is what's so incredible here, uh, going back to just the scale of compute and how fast things are getting better, right? So I, I think this is really, really and, and and team, I, I realized that um, I I went a little bit out of order in this space here too. So my my apologies for that. There there was a, more Nvidia examples here. One of which is what Nvidia has been calling the Omniverse, and we we talked about this a few weeks ago, months ago, maybe um, about the notion of being able to quickly deploy avatars, right? Which to me mm -hmm. feels like it's part and parcel of actually what we just described. You know, how do I create a different avatar on the fly that has the characteristics that are desired? And um, there, there's some intriguing notions about customization here 
and adherence to preferences. So uh, if, if you were in, a, oh, I don't know, a certain part of the world and you wanted to have the avatar that's interacting with you use a similar uh, set of language and dialect and um, inflection to create a well, tighter customer engagement interaction, in theory, you, you could do that and you could have them be dressed and behave in much the same way. So that this is all around the Omniverse Ace platform, as they're calling it. I love the concept of the Omniverse because it's very much like uh, the Metaverse, and now there's the Omniverse. It's very much like there's Pro devices, and now there are Max and Ultra devices. You know, we have to you know turn the dial to eleven just to make uh, <laughs> make a point. Well, at, at some point, are you going to run out of uh, you know superlatives, superlatives to describe the next best thing? It somewhat relatedly, I was I was reading a really interesting article today, which I don't have um, I don't have in the list at all. But it um, relates to the ultra piece. Um, and Michael, I know that you've uh, received some new shiny things today. Uh, and uh, it was talking about the way that Apple um, typically uh, amps things up and goes from a, a standard device to a pro device and so on, and then. Uh, and the, as they enter the market with a standard device, but it's still better than the competition, and then they sort of spend a few generations, and then they refine it into a pro device, and then they enable the trickle down to the standard devices. And it was talking about how the ultra things like the action button on the ultra watch might end up being trickled down similarly to the way that the pencil uh, trickled down to the the non-pro iPads over time. The reason I mention it is because as we were talking about the AR, VR and uh, Omniverse, Metaverse stuff, I was also beginning to wonder whether Apple might rename the Metaverse to the Ultraverse just to... Uh, just to stick just with to that of, theme. Uh, just to one-up everyone. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, if, if this happens, folks, then... Maxiverse. You, you heard it here first. They can't do Maxiverse because it would sound too similar to Maxis, which is a gaming company. But uh, yes, that's they true. Probably. True. Amazing verse. Anyway. Yes, you've heard it here first. <laughs> Augmentverse. The Augmentverse, yeah. Um, so so we're, we're talking there for a moment about uh, about Apple. And the, there's a Fast Company article which now bridges a couple of stories and a couple of episodes that we've had here on gamesatwork.biz uh, where we've been talking about art and we've been talking about artificial intelligence art applications. So there is a, a new text-to-image AI art app called Diffusion B. Um, unfortunately for me, I do not have an Apple Silicon-based Mac handy, so I was not able me to neither, try it. Me neither, because I was going to install it as soon as I yeah. saw it, and I was like, and darn it. Like, ah, yeah, darn it. But um, um, I, I do have <laughs> at least one in our family who's not here uh, that does have an Apple Silicon-based Mac, so I will have to see if I can convince my child to put this on their machine and we can give it a shot. Anyway. You're um, going to... You're gonna, you know, it is available as well for the um, for for Intel Max, right? No. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. There's a Diffusion B dash zero point two point one underscore Intel underscore Mac OS DMG. Well, so I don't know how well. long, at what stage that uh, got added, um, but uh, okay. there is a. Well, uh, is we're gonna Intel we're gonna there. see how this machine runs. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, well, Michael, it does also say. Note, there is some issue with macOS Ventura. It will be resolved soon, um, just for your awareness, in case you're uh, that, running that's on okay. this, a different machine. This machine that I'm recording the show on is still on GA code. <laughs> well, look, on, <laughs> the, on, the subject, 
On the subject yes. of uh, stable diffusion, I was using it uh, earlier in the week to uh, generate some images for a, a recent blog post of mine, um, and uh, because I wanted a, a hero image for the post, um, the the platform I use quite often has a you know encourages a, a hero image, and it's always nicer to be able to share those things to social platforms because you get a nice image with it. So um, it did take me quite a lot of iterations. Again, we've spoken about this previously to come up with a prompt that generated something that was acceptable to me and you know, right. and I wanted to find an art style and a color look and so on. Um, and I wanted to show, in this case, some computer code on a screen and it just, depending on which version I used, whether I was using um, uh, OpenAI um, or so Dali, or whether I was using Crayon, um, the mm -hmm. way that it rendered the code was different. But either way, it didn't look really like code. It was more like sort of a blurry bit on a on a on a rectangle in the background. But it was suitable. It, it it saved me a lot of effort going and looking for a ton of stock images. Uh, so it was it was it was nice. I I I've had my the Diffusion B app on my to-do list all week and I haven't installed it yet myself but hey I can do it while we're, while we're recording and that yeah, won't cause you, any you problems could. at all he's, he's said <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what can go wrong? The, the thing that what, what possibly could go wrong what possibly could go wrong? If you if you think for a moment about the, the NVIDIA get 3D generation kind of concept and what NVIDIA is also looking to do about creating cloud-based uh, visual compute platforms so that you're leveraging not your local machine, but you're leveraging a cloud environment full of NVIDIA chipsets to go do this sort of thing. I can see where we go back and, back and forth here where you don't necessarily need to run it locally. I, I thought there might be an advantage to running this locally because you're now able to use the full might of your own individual machine as opposed to what we're getting out of Dolly or, or Crayon or the others. And, and like you, Andy, I, I struggled mightily uh, to create the image of a toaster with wings when I was trying to get that particular image for our blog post, uh, the show notes for that particular show. And it took a series of refinements to get to that stage. So I, I feel like we're going to see some uh, machine learning advancements. We're going to see certainly some of the chipset and cloud advancements that are going to kind of come into play. And we may find some hybrid kind of structure where part of the workload is offloaded. Part of it is maintained. Um, there'll be some security and privacy elements there that I think have to be also taken into account about it, the notion of intellectual capital, right? I mean, definitely you're, yep. you're, 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 you're the master of Google search. So the way that you put your prompt together is something that came from you individually, right? And, and even if you were to share your prompt, Andy, with somebody else, um, I guess in theory, it shouldn't necessarily create the exact same thing, right? It shouldn't, or should it? I don't know. You think not? But some, something worth uh, worth looking at. So, all right. So, we'll maybe we'll see if we can run this on uh, Intel-based Macs, uh, and some of us have really, really old ones. Um, 
staying on the same theme for a second, uh, there there was a, um, a few news stories, and we have got a Twitter link on this here as well about Getty, so very famous for uh, producing images that you can buy and license and so on, um, have said that, you know what, uh, we're saying no to artificially in, um, generated art, and a lot of that is because it's difficult to ascertain copyright of what it is. So I, like I said, I'm, I'm just thinking through this in real time. If Andy, you shared a prompt of something that worked for you with someone else, um, theoretically, if you're using the same engine and the same random number generators close to the same, it should produce something similar in terms of output. And then how do you know you've got copyright? Cause you can't copyright a bunch of words together. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, it's, it's interesting because there's different art groups that are having this discussion right now. Getty, I think, makes the most logical choice of until the uh, copyright aspect of who owns the image is truly resolved, especially since some of the generators uh, will grant copyright and other ones will grant themselves fair use against that generated image. Um I think there's going to be a lot of confusion in this space until this shakes out on who owns what is generated and make sure that those those rights are clearly defined and understood by all involved. Moving right along, because we have a couple more stories to hit and then we're almost at time. Michael, this is really one that when I saw it, I thought of you. So you've had a, a set of swim goggles for quite a while that track and communicate with your Apple Watch about how you're doing on your swim. Um, and we've seen some examples about running activities here too. And there's a new set of AR glasses that are able to display information on your run in your field of vision called active look. What'd you think of this? Yeah, I, it's immediately what I thought of it. As soon as I saw that you put it into the, to the show run for us was this is, uh, the form goggles, uh, except for running and, uh, given, given how much we all have become data driven, uh, or, you know, the, the quantified self movement, understanding your current statistics right now while you're doing this workout at this time, at this stage of the run, etc., cetera, uh, allows people to tune themselves in real time. If you think about, you know, Peloton or Apple Fitness Plus or any of these services where you have a coach kind of coaching you through activities, uh, being able to see your real-time metrics without getting out of the zone of the exercise is important for allowing you to push yourself or maybe ease off if you're trying to stay in, you know, um, um, a fat burning stage versus, you know, uh, an, an exhaustion phase or whatever. I think this is really, really cool. And we'll see more of this going forward, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, sticking with the screen rant uh, family here for a little bit longer, the, there was an article, too, about the new Dynamic Island. We talked about that a, a couple of weeks ago um, and that there's a developer who's created something that they're calling Pixel Pals, which takes advantage of that little itty bitty space in between where the Dynamic Island is and the top of the screen to have these little 8-bit 
uh, animals that show up there. And uh, the article talks about uh, someone who's created a Pong-like game that takes advantage of that screen real estate too. So some really creative ways of leveraging, um, again, what initially was a drawback and translating it into something that has actually a differentiating function. And it's kind of fun. The, one of the fun stories I read this week was um, it was based, it came from a tweet, which was somebody discovering that when you close out apps on the new iPhones with the dynamic island, you, if depending on whether you curve your, your swipe upwards to the left or to the right, the, the apps kind of follow the curve of your swipe. Reminded oh, me of yeah. uh, reminded me of curveballs in Pokemon Go, but um, mm-hmm. it was yeah, it was really they were saying in the story that it was bringing back a level of playfulness to the to the operating system to the user interface and user experience, which which made me smile actually. I was I was then trying to throw apps up my screen on on a, on a non uh, Dynamic Island device to see if it <laughs> they you know made them curve in all of the different versions, but it's clearly linked to the. Uh, the way the the island works, because the apps then sort of collapse. In- yeah, uh, I, I I would accidentally try that and instead just throw the phone across this room, right? <laughs> I'm sure like, that will happen. <laughs> well, that's why the Wii Motes have that little wrist strap, Michael. <laughs> I I totally forgot about my Wii Mote. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe to, to wrap up on one more uh, listener link here uh, from uh, from Ian once once here, um, I, I watched the video for um, shoot what was it called trombone. I was I'm thinking is uh, no 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 it's not trombone hero. It's not called trombone hero, but, but it's yeah. like trombone hero. I, I I actually sent the video to uh, a friend of mine who is the conductor of a junior high band. <laughs> Uh, and and they loved it. It's like this is perfect, right? A great way to teach your students to improve their trombone playing. Yeah, I mean it's 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 not really really. It's you're just moving your mouse around to line up with the line. So for for those of you familiar with Guitar Hero, you had a, a little plastic guitar with keys, and you had to press the keys at the right place and strum. Uh, so I, <laughs> I was actually hoping that this was going to make use of like one of those plastic trombones because you can get those for relatively cheap. Yeah, and then have sensors. Maybe this is a great raspberry pi project hello hello that you could then see where you are for the trombone and at least you're getting the um appropriate slide length you won't get the embouchure right but you could do something like that oh well if you can't get the embouchure right then i don't know what i i can't (laughs) wait michael for uh, to to be to what to see observe your uh, raspberry pi project that you're going to spend the next couple of weekends building because uh i know that you're uh Yes. A big fan and uh, a, a, a maker of that kind. So, yeah. I wish I were. I wish I were. <laughs> it's, I aspire to do things like that. But um, uh, I'm, I, I, have, I, have other, I have other projects that are, that are uh, in near to my me with an arm's length, length that I need to take on I, board. I, I call those projects life the universe, and everything. (laughs) All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening in for another edition. Please join us again next week where we will have even more fun stories from you, from us, from everyone. And uh, we will see you again. how would they give us those fun stories? Oh my goodness gracious! You, you've got so many ways. Uh, probably the easiest way is just tweet us at tweet them at us, and we're at games at work underscore biz. So it's pretty easy to find us on the Twitter. 
So until next week, let me just say uh, sayonara from all of us, and we'll talk to you again soon. See ya. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to GamesAtWork.biz, the podcast about gaming technology and play. We are part of the Blueberry Podcasting Network and would like to thank the band Random Encounters for their song, Big Blue. You can follow us on Twitter at GamesAtWork underscore biz or at our website at GamesAtWork.biz. Music